0: You are listening to the E2C Network, where the Auburn family speaks. Hello and welcome to War Horses, the only college
1: equestrian podcast that will give a personalized message of encouragement to fans of every college equestrian team today. I am your host, Auburn Elvis. Let's talk about some college equestrians. It was a good week of College Equestrian. Now, even if your favorite team did not win, you can still be happy. These athletes are training, they're riding, and they're getting better. Uh, we didn't have any equestrian athletes show up on police blotters or getting into brawls and bars or going out and embarrassing their universities. The sport is growing. New teams are coming in. We are living in some good times. And despite what may happen in any particular weekend, there is always something to be thankful for in this sport. So, your favorite team might not have won this weekend, but there will come a day when they do. Now, every team in this has good enough riders that they can beat somebody at some time. So, everybody be happy. Now, fans of three teams this week are probably a little extra happy, and that is okay. This big equestrian weekend gave us six ranked teams competing to give us an early look at who is the best so far this season. Meet recaps. <laughs> I'm playing around with sound effects today. First off, we have number eight, SMU at number six, TCU. Now keep in mind that these are the official Auburn Elvis College Equestrian rankings. Uh, These are the only rankings that will consistently tell you the rationale behind them. And basically, these two teams are ranked where they are because each of them has a loss and each of them a good win. These are two pretty closely ranked teams, and I had TCU above SMU because, as you'll recall, SMU had that bad loss to UT Martin last week, so that's how these teams entered the meet on Friday. As expected, this meet was very close. A lot of the predictions I made about who would win in these head-to-head uh, matchups were toss-ups. SMU generally got the better of things, and they led 6-4 to four at the half, but TCU still had a path to victory if they could hold their own on equitation on the flat. But SMU's uh, caddy merchant Got the upset point over TCU's uh, Ashley Scully, and that proved to be the point that would keep the Mustangs out in front for good. TCU won horsemanship 3-2, but that was only enough to make the final score a little bit closer. It ended up 9-11 in favor of the visiting Mustangs. Now, I'm also going to add that TCU seems to be having problems getting points in the jumping seat events. They lost the majority of jumping seat points in all four of their meets this season. So that's going to be an area of improvement that they're going to hope if they if they want to beat somebody with more experience uh they're going to have to get better in the jumping seat that That's really holding them back right now. okay, second meet of the weekend was number five Oklahoma State University at number seven Baylor now on paper, this looked to be another close meet, and it was uh Baylor took the early lead then Oklahoma state's Jojo Robertson. Got a no-point tie with Baylor's Madeline Calloway in reigning. Now I had Baylor favored in that matchup, so when JoJo got the tie, it was kind of sort of like a win for Oklahoma State, and it marked the st- the start of Oklahoma State's comeback. Uh, the meet score was five to four at the half in favor of the Baylor, in, in favor of Baylor, but it could have easily been six to four for them if that tie had gone to form. So that tie actually ended up being the difference in the meet as Oklahoma State battled back and they ended up taking the lead. And then from there, each team mostly took their favorite points, but the Cowgirls ended up getting the better of those toss-up points where you're not really sure who's going to win. And at the end, they beat Baylor 10-9. to So this was a very close meet. Uh, both teams can go away from this and have things that they're proud of, uh, and they also have things they need to work on. But I'm going to declare Oklahoma State's JoJo Robertson the rider of the meat for her two uh, western rides there. That reigning tide that she got was followed up with a win uh, and a toss-up point over Baylor's Ellen Schrotenboer in horsemanship. So good job, JoJo. You get the War Horses Podcast Rider of the Meat Award. come to our main event, the big one. Number one, Georgia at number two, Auburn. The initial matchup sheet looked good for Auburn. I had Auburn favored in eight matchups. I had Georgia favored in three and I had nine toss-up points. This kind of jibes with the preview that I gave last week in the podcast where I said each team has the talent to get about seven points off of the other and it's getting those last three or four that will de- determine the victor. Well, let's see how it all went. Now, in the first event, we had equitation over fences. I had two matchups that favored Auburn, and the other three were all toss-ups. Now, Auburn won their two favorite rides and then took two of the toss-ups. So Georgia's uh, Emma Richow got a good ride and beat Auburn freshman, freshman uh, Sophie Steckbeck to get the Bulldogs on the board. So in fences, Auburn looked really good. They went 4-1 uh, there. So then we went over onto horsemanship. Horsemanship had the uh, most toss-ups. Uh, it was very close, and in one head-to-head, uh, the one that I actually felt like, okay, I know who's going to win this. Uh, well, Georgia's Kendall Gill got the upset over Olivia Tordoff, uh, so that was pretty unexpected. Now the teams ended up splitting those four uh, toss-up points, so uh, this this basically went to uh, uh, Georgia with three to two because of that Gill upset, but that made the halftime score. A close 6 to 4 advantage for Auburn. So Georgia's still in it at this point at the half. Now, in the second half, uh, Raining got going next. Uh, I had Auburn favored in three of those matchups, I had Georgia favored in one of those, and there was a single toss up uh, matchup and it, that was too close to call. Now, Georgia's Courtney Bloomer started off by getting an upset from Auburn's Boo Cameron. But then Auburn's Taylor Searles came right back and took a point that I had favored to uh, Georgia's Linda Gwynn. And this became kind of the theme of the day. Whenever Georgia would take an upset or a toss-up point, there was an Auburn rider going right after her, getting an upset of her, of her own or a toss-up. So uh, Georgia could never really go on a run, and as things wore on, the number of remaining points kind of dwindled, and that meant that the, the Georgia comeback was less likely. So after that, equitation on the flat finally got started. It took them a while to get going. I think it's because that whenever the ground is wet, like when you had a lot of rain like we did, uh, the lower outdoor ring at Auburn uh, gets too wet, and they have to use the upper outdoor ring for both fences and flat, and it takes time to change over from one uh, to the other. But frankly, this has been going on long enough that if you know that your lower ring has a wetness problem then you need to get that fixed. I mean, Auburn is a dang civil engineering school, and there has to be somebody there who can get that lower ring uh, performing as well as the upper ring, regardless of the weather. So get on that, Auburn. So uh, let's see where I was. Okay, equitation on the flat. Uh, this is the most inconsistent event for a lot of teams, so I was not really super confident with my predictions, but I'll go ahead and tell you what they were anyway. Um, I had each team favored in two matchups, and then I had one toss-up at the end. And sure enough, Auburn freshman Anna Marie Mays got an upset point from Georgia's Nora Andrews on that first matchup. But then the next three win is expected, and then Auburn's Ellie Ferrigno won the final point, which I had as a toss-up, you'll recall. So that meant that the final score ended up being 13-7 to in favor of Auburn. Now, there were several key points in this meet that if Georgia had won the point, or, uh, you know, maybe turned it into a tie, it would have been a lot more of a nail-biter. Georgia definitely has the talent to beat Auburn, but credit to Auburn for never letting Georgia go on a points run. Uh, Georgia was always there threatening, but Auburn never broke composure as a team, and that's how we get the result that you saw. It's also worth mentioning that Saturday's win is the 10th straight for Auburn over Georgia and becomes the longest uh, streak in the history between these two teams. Georgia previously enjoyed a nine-win record streak over Auburn from 2004 to
0: 2008, but now that is just a footnote in history. Hey Auburn fans, I want to take a quick time out from this episode to bring your attention to something very special. Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there. And best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com slash E2C Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C network booster, exclusive communications, and bonus content that is available nowhere else. If you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one, please head on over to patreon.com E2C network to join the E2C network booster club. You can also get there by going to our website, E2cnetwork.com slash support. Whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C Network family. Well that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode.
1: Okay, so here we are in the second half of our show. Uh all the meat recaps are done, so now let's look ahead to this coming weekend action. Uh, We have some good meets to go through, so what we're going to do to keep this from being a very long, boring recital of teams and days, I'm going to make it a short, boring recital of teams and days instead. Uh, I'm going to do a preview of of the teams and stuff after that, but right now, let's just run through the upcoming meets. If you're a fan of one of these teams, you can just zone out until I see your mention your team's name, and then you can start paying attention. So, here we go. Friday, October 15th. First, we have UT Martin is going up to South Dakota State. Next, Auburn is going to go up to Oklahoma State. That is a big one. And Texas A&M is going to go over to Baylor. All right, so if you are one of those teams, if you pull for one of those teams, UT Martin, South Dakota State, Auburn, Oklahoma State, Texas A&M, or Baylor, your team has a meet on Friday. So plan your schedules accordingly. The next day, Saturday, the 16th, Fans of only two teams need to pay attention here. Auburn and SMU. Okay, Auburn is going to SMU. So if you're a fan of those two teams, you have a meet on Saturday. So those are our upcoming meets. Now, let's look at each one of them. Meet Previews. Again, if you're a fan of one of these teams, you need to listen up here. Everybody else can just sit back and enjoy the sound of my voice. I do that a lot. UT Martin at South Dakota State. uh, These are two unranked teams, and they're hoping to get back in the rankings with a strong showing this weekend. UT Martin is rebuilding almost their entire Western lineup, but they pulled off the big upset over SMU last week, so they're not a pushover. South Dakota State gave Texas A&M all they could handle in Week 1, and they seem ready to improve on the good season that they had last year. This is a conference meet. Both of these teams compete in the Eastern College Athletic Conference. And because of the weird week two results, UT Martin is tied at the top of the standings with SMU and Delaware State. So South Dakota State is hoping that they can break that log jam up, and I kind of think they will. I like the Jackrabbits in this meet. I think they are a more complete team than UT Martin right now, and I think riding at home will give them the edge. I think UT Martin will be a little better in the jumping seat events, but um, South Dakota State will be just good enough there and will probably dominate the Western rides to get them the close win on Friday. Auburn at Oklahoma State. Now, the number one team in the SEC visits the number one team in the Big 12. Here we'll get to see how deep Oklahoma State is. Uh, They're close to Georgia in talent with about seven or eight riders that should get points against Auburn. Uh, The Tigers can probably count on about that many points for sure, and leaving about six or so toss-up points that will really determine this meet. Uh, I think Auburn will do well in fences. The flat could go either way, and Oklahoma State probably has a slight edge um, in the flat, frankly. Horsemanship is another area that the Cowgirls are probably going to be a little favored in, and reigning looks to either be even or slightly favorable towards Auburn. So, I think this will probably be a very close win for Auburn. But, again, don't be surprised if Oklahoma State gets the upset here. Now, let's look at Texas A&M and Baylor. My preseason enthusiasm for the Aggies has really cooled off after their scare against South Dakota State in Week 1. So, for the Aggies to beat Baylor, or anybody really, they're going to have to get better um, from their third, fourth, uh, and fifth riders in these events. Uh, Everybody has a good number one and number two rider, but it's those third, fourth, and fifth riders that really win the meet for you. Fences is probably going to be close. Each team should get at least two points here, uh, and that last point's going to be big. Same with flat. Both teams should get about two. That last point's going to be the key. Horsemanship is close. I'm going to give Texas A&M a slight edge here. They have the talent to get about uh, three of these points, maybe more. And reigning looks to be pretty even. Both teams can probably count on two points here, and that last point will be the decider. So for A&M, I think the key here is to keep it close in the jumping seat. If they come away from the two jumping seat events and they ain't got but like four of those ten points, they're probably going to be in trouble in this meet. So they really need to do better than four points in the jumping seat to uh, win the meet. For Baylor, I think they really could win this this whole meet in the and seat. They looked good against Oklahoma State this week in those events. If they can do likewise against A&M, that will probably be their path to victory. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, Baylor will probably get the upset. I think A&M uh, wasn't good in week one, and until they have proven otherwise, I'm going to give the nod to the homestanding Baylors, uh, Baylor Bears in the close victory. Now, let's look at Auburn. At SMU. Both teams are coming off victories this weekend. SMU won that close one against TCU, and Auburn won a close but comfortable meet against Georgia. SMU's top riders will give Auburn some trouble. The Mustangs can take anywhere from four to seven points from Auburn in the jump and seat events alone. Now they are a lot more vulnerable in the Western events. They have three riders there that will probably be favored in their matchups depending on who they draw. The key for the Mustangs is to get about six or seven jumping seat points, and then get four or five Western points. For Auburn, a lot will depend on the random draws. They have the talent to um, win both of the jumping seat events, just like they did against Georgia. But SMU looks a little tougher than most teams do here in this in these two events. I think it may come down to how well Auburn's Western seat riders do. SMU has given away a lot of Western points, so if Auburn can stay about even in the jumping seat and have some good Western performances, that could be the winning strategy for Auburn. And here, I'm going to go ahead and pick Auburn to win. Uh, It's probably going to be another close one. But again, if SMU gets hot and fences and flat, then they could upset Auburn. Team grades and words of encouragement. So now let's talk about each team. One of the things I want to do with this show is make sure I'm giving enough attention to all of the teams. I get the feeling that many of our listeners pull for, or maybe even ride for, uh, different teams. And I want to make sure that your favorite teams are getting some attention here, y'all. So let's give out some team grades uh, after week three. Every dual-discipline team has ridden at least one meet now, so let's talk about what we liked and what we didn't like for each team. In this first group, I'm going to give all these teams an A, okay? So everybody gets an A in this group. This is group A. First, Auburn, okay? Good win to start the season. Their returning talent took care of business in the jumping seat. But the Western Riders uh, need to get a little bit more consistent. This team is loaded with All-Americans and has riders on the bench each week that could start for many other schools. Uh, So uh, as we saw last season, they got to stay focused every meet or they could get upset. Another team that gets an A is Oklahoma State. They had a good win on the road at Baylor. The Cowgirls' jump-and-seat riders did okay versus Baylor, but they really need to get better if they're going to hang on with uh, against Auburn this next week. The Western riders look good, but reigning needs to improve a little bit. Another team that gets an A so far is Fresno State. They have a pair of good wins against South Carolina and TCU. Fresno State looks really good in the jump-and-seat, but they're going to need to improve in the Western events, particularly horsemanship, if they want to remain unbeaten. Uh, Georgia is another one of the teams in the A group. Going on the road to Auburn was a tough way to start the season, Uh, but they took seven from Auburn, and they were close to taking more. So you can tell that the jumping seat is where they lost uh, most of their starters from last year. So they're going to need to develop their remaining riders in the jumping seat events, and if they do that, they could beat anybody. So now let's transition. These are teams that get a B, okay? They're not A teams, but they're B teams, all right? They're good. SMU. The Mustangs looked great in the jumping seat and not great in the Western seat or Western rides. Their formula is probably going to be to get a big lead in those jump seat events and then just try to get lucky in the Western ones, and that's probably their path to victory in a lot of meets this season. Uh, Texas A&M. They have a lot of talent here, and as I said before, their challenge is going to be getting the best of their talented riders into the lineup on a particular day. Their success is going to depend on how these random matchups shake out. They might not have as many All-Americans as some teams in the A group, but they have a lot of all-conference-level talent that could still get them some victories if they get the right people in the lineups and if they you know, have good performances on those days. Another team in this group is Baylor. Now, Baylor seems like a team that could really go up and down as the season stretches on. They have a good mix of talent overall. Uh, they just need more consistency. Their fences squad is a good group, but the strength of the others looks like it could just change from week to week as to how good they're doing. So they really need more consistency over there. All right, the next team in this group is TCU. The Horn Frogs are probably going to be in more close meets than anybody this year. They've got just enough talent to stay with many of the A and B group teams, but not enough talent to keep the C group teams below them from doing the same thing to them. TCU's Western squad looks pretty good, but the jumping seat is their Achilles heel right now, so they need to work on that. The next team in this group is UC Davis. The Aggies returned just about every rider from last season, and it shows. They've already proven to be a tougher than expected challenge for most teams. Their fences and reigning squads are solid, but they aren't great in flat and horsemanship. We'll have to keep an eye on UC Davis. If they can get just a little bit better, they could be a problem for most any team. So now, let's transition into the C group. These are all teams that I would give a C so far, okay? These teams probably will not make it into the National Championship Tournament, or at least not based on how they're riding right now, but on the right day, they could beat one of the higher-up teams. All right. So, first team in this group is South Carolina. The Gamecocks chose a really rough way to start the season with their schedule. They had a long road trip out to California. They faced three teams in as many days, and we're hoping that their current body of work isn't a fair picture of their caliber. As things stand, they seem to have about two good riders in every event, but the talent really drops off after them. South Carolina's 3rd, 4th, and 5th riders have really got to develop and step up if this team hopes to get any wins over dual-discipline teams this season. The next team to talk about is Delaware State. The Hornets have a fine Western squad, but their and seat team is holding them back. Their remaining fall meets are all jump-and-seat contests, so uh, that could give them more practice that they need to get competitive overall. This team is probably only going to go as far as their jump-and-seat squad allows them. UT Martin. Now, the Skyhawks are the opposite of Delaware State. They boast a decent jump-and-seat team, but they are really suffering on the Western squad, and they saw all but two starters depart from last year. But with that upset win against SMU, it showed that if UT Martin's young riders can develop, then they can make trouble for a lot of teams. Next scene to talk about here in the C group is South Dakota State. The Jackrabbits are the final C group team here, uh, but don't let that fool you into thinking that they're the worst. They have several quality Western riders that can stay close with anybody. Now, uh, if their jumping seat riders can have a good day, then that's when they can really make things interesting. So, Now, I want to mention that I have not forgotten about the single-disciplined teams. It's just that none of them rode this weekend, so we're going to hold off on them a bit and give you a rundown of those teams once more of them have gotten into competition. Closing Words So, as these meets come up, if you want to know which riders are favored to take their point, then follow me on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, I'm starting to get better about posting those matchup predictions as these meets begin. And that's going to help act as a nice little baseline for folks to know, well, just how well are we expecting these riders to perform in these matchups. So, also, I want you to check back in with me to see how these big uh, SEC Big 12 showdowns pan out this week, as well as that ECAC meet between UT Martin and South Dakota State. So that is all for our episode of War Horses. I am your host, Auburn Elvis. Thank you very much for listening and War Horses, y'all.